This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome, everyone, to the PFF Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, John Macri, fantasy analyst here at PFF, and I am once again joined by PFF's lead fantasy analyst, the great Nathan Yonke. Nate, how you doing? I am doing well, I think. Uh, natural with podcasts, we start having a conversation while we're getting things set up, and we're like, no, we need to stop this conversation and have it <laughs> once we get on the air. And in this case, we were starting to talk about how this was a weird week for the NFL and fantasy football in general. I feel like my fantasy teams, my undefeated teams all took losses, but all of my other teams ended up taking wins because there were players that haven't been doing well that did do well this week and vice versa. So definitely a interesting week for the NFL. So plenty for us to talk about today. Yeah, it, it really did. It felt like a really weird week. And sometimes I feel that way and I, it might just be me, but I felt like, yeah, like you said, my, my, how my fantasy teams were affected the kind of in a similar way. And I don't know, we got some big injuries to monitor with, with Anthony Richardson, uh, Justin Jefferson's hamstring, maybe Travis Kelsey, Daniel Jones. Um, but then we got like the hat tricks from, from George Kittle and, and DJ Moore and, and Jamar chase as well, which was cool to see um, Zach Moss and Tajay Spears trying to make us forget about Jonathan Taylor and Derek Henry. Um, there's a whole bunch of stuff, but we'll, we'll get into it um, again. We're not necessarily going game by game for this. Um, instead, we're going to focus on the top, takeaways from this weekend's game um nate has all the takeaways from every single game up on pff.com if there is something that uh, you wanted to hear us cover today but for whatever reason uh we don't you can head on over to pff.com to check out all of nate's takeaways from this past week's games um so you should be able to find it there um, but yeah, before we get into it, let's give a quick shout out to our presenting sponsor, Fabric by Gerber Life. Fall is all about the back to school and back to routine checklist. And the most important task on that list should be securing your family's financial future, starting with life insurance. Fabric by Gerber Life makes it quick, easy and affordable to protect your family so you can get back to enjoying life. Fabric was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Fabric has flexible policies. Uh, that fit your family and your budget with quality policies like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. Get your personalized quote in just minutes and then apply when it's convenient for you. It's all online and on your schedule. You can go from start to covered in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash fantasy. That's meetfabric.com slash fantasy. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash fantasy. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company. Not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions all right let's start things off with some running back talk and a couple of names that we haven't covered a lot on on this takeaway show in a while over in new england uh where bill belichick may be buying into the feed zeke mantra um we, we've got ezekiel elliott and Ramondre stevenson both had eight carries each both just under 25 yards rushing so nate was the usage really uh that close between the two this week 
Uh, yeah, they were nearly identical. Uh, something nice about having the bye weeks is when I was writing these recaps, I had a little bit more time to dig into what exactly was going on with Elliot versus Stevenson, since it's been just slight changes each week where Elliot just sees a little bit more and a little bit more work, and this time it was closer to 50%. Uh, they've mostly been rotating by drive, so Stevenson would get the first drive, Elliot would get the second drive, and so on. And in previous weeks, when it was Elliot's drive, Stevenson would often come in on third down or if the drive was dragging on for a bit longer, but that hasn't been happening as much recently. So it would be really Stevenson gets a drive, Elliot gets a drive, Stevenson gets a drive, and so on. And sometimes when that happens, one player has longer drive drives than others. And in this one, just nothing with the Patriots was working that well. So we saw a pretty even split with Elliot and Stevenson. Like we saw Elliot get the two minute drill, but that just happened to be because it was his turn to get the two minute drill. Uh, Stevenson got short yardage work, but that mostly was because his drives ended up running into some plays where there was short yardage work. So not expecting those two trends necessarily to continue. Um, it'll be interesting to see what the Patriots do in general going forward with how uh, poorly they've lost these past two weeks and won't be surprised to see some pretty significant changes uh, either to offensive philosophy or with the players they're using or what. Um, I would note that uh, Stevenson has graded better than Elliott as a receiver. It's just Elliott has a much higher target rate so far this season at 22% compared to Stevenson at 14%. So they've been throwing the ball to Elliott more. He just hasn't been any more efficient with the ball in his hands. Stevenson has four receiving first downs compared to zero by Elliott. So I'm a little surprised that Elliott is getting more receiving work, even though Stevenson still isn't doing nearly as well as he was last year as a receiver. So it'll be interesting to see what exactly goes on going forward. I'd be a bit more hesitant to start Stevenson. I would be a bit more willing to have Elliott on my roster going forward just because we don't know what will happen, but it wouldn't be surprising to see this trend reverse or them do something significantly different it's just whatever the patriots are thinking but if the patriots offense has to play better in general for us to be able to trust either of them again going forward yeah the the, the last two weeks uh, have not been kind uh to the new england offense or defense really i, I think they've been outscored 72 to 3 or something like that over two games it's been pretty mm -hmm. bad but I, I think bill belichick even said they're going to start from scratch or something along those lines going forward so like you said I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a kind of a complete retool here of how this offense is going to operate uh going forward but something to monitor there because yeah Ramondre Stevenson just has not played um up to the the I guess the ADP right he was basically a top 10 running back almost coming into the year so something to kind of keep in mind going forward there um all right. Another big storyline heading into this weekend's game was not only Jonathan Taylor being activated off the PUP list, but the Colts actually paid the young man three year, $42 million. Um, but watching this game, he didn't many make many appearances in this one. So uh, did the Colts pay the wrong running back or, or what, what happened here with the, the Indianapolis backfield, Nate? Uh, yeah, they said that they were going to ease him in, and we still thought uh, with Taylor having this much rest, he was a full participant in practice all week, so it sounded like he was good to go and at least maybe see half of the offensive snaps, but Zach Moss played the majority of the first quarter. Taylor only had one snap in the first quarter, uh, started to ease him in a little bit more as the game progressed, but Zach Moss did an excellent job, put up big numbers in this one um, against a strong run defense as well, so even after 
Taylor uh, wasn't active for this game and Moss was just the starter, this still would have been a surprising game for uh, how good Moss did. So a little bit ironic that a running back finally got paid and within a couple of days, the backup running back uh, put up huge numbers. But um, it'll be interesting to see uh, how this goes going forward. I would certainly expect after Taylor got paid for him to start to see more playing time going forward. But this might be more of a 50-50 split than we hope for. Um, I think the most ideal thing would be if Zach Moss, after this great performance and how well he's played the last couple games, F Moss is the one that ends up getting traded since I'm not sure it makes too much sense to keep both of them on the roster outside of having some insurance. But there are plenty of teams that could use some running back help at the moment, and Moss could be someone that could help those teams. But definitely a surprising occurrence of Taylor really not getting too involved in the offense. I would have expected at least more carries than it was a close game throughout. So it'll be interesting to see how things shake out next week, but we could see anywhere from Moss seeing the vast majority of snaps again to Taylor completely taking over or anywhere in between. Yeah. So I I think that's the kind of the main question going forward, right? Is kind of how long is this going to last? Cause I, I don't think at least on the fantasy side, I don't think there was anyone who expected Zach Moss to have any like, really like any fantasy relevant role this week once taylor was back let alone be like clear lead back so you know even for as as well as zach moss had played in in taylor's absence so now there there yeah like you said there should be at least some hesitance about what that split is going to look like in the next couple of weeks maybe something changes um like you said zach moss gets traded or whatever but i i think i think just based on based on them paying taylor we have to assume his workload kind of increases as the year goes on right uh, yeah, just based on that money alone. So I would expect it, but we, I think the big thing that might be in Taylor's favor is even though he was coming into the NFL, a more traditional early down back, he started to get more receiving work as his mm-hmm. career progressed. And Zach Moss has never really been that receiving back. So if anything, I would hope that Taylor would get the passing down work sooner rather than later, but then it just becomes how do the carries get distributed and, Ideally, we get to a point where Taylor is reaching double-digit carries. Yeah, let's hope so. Um, All right, let's move on to a running back who was not held back this week. Um, Brees Hall of the New York Jets went off in week five. Um, It definitely helps to play the Denver defense, but 177 rushing yards, a touchdown, 17 receiving yards on three catches. Um, The team talked about no more limitations for him heading into this week. So, Nate... 22 carries. We know the production was there. What did Hall's usage look like in this first game of him um, officially being unleashed? Um, So it wasn't that extreme of a difference as some might expect. We've seen slight differences each of the past couple weeks, and it's basically all come in early downs where early in the season it was Dalvin Cook seeing a lot of those early down snaps, and each week Cook sees less and less, and Hall sees more and more. So a lot of it was just Hall getting a little bit more of the early down work, but really the Jets being able to run the ball a lot more. It was a game script where the Jets were able to run the ball and they wanted to do it. So I think unleashing Hall, if anything, had more to do with getting Hall the ball when he was on the field more often than before. Um, The big interesting thing is Michael Carter remains the third down back, the passing down back. Hall received one snap in that situation, but uh, Carter has had a pretty strong hold on that role so far this season. But if you look back to last season, Hall or 
Carter started the season as a third down back then as well, but Hall slowly but surely started to take that over prior to his injury. So it'll be interesting to see if Hall at some point can also get that passing down work or if he just stays the clear early down back. If he stays the early down back, then he should still be a fantasy starter more weeks than not. But if he is able to take that passing down role, then he should be able to be even more consistent from week in and week out and also have a higher ceiling. So he would go from being someone who is worth where he was picked at his ADP to someone who would exceed expectations significantly. So I think that's probably the biggest thing that I'll keep an eye on going forward, but I think we can expect Hall to see significant touches going forward, assuming that the Jets are able to stay somewhat close in those games. Yeah, let's hope so, because we know Brees Hall could potentially have that that RB1 potential, especially if he starts to get that um, that receiving down work that, that he's kind of missed out on here early in the season. But definitely something that I think could increase um, going forward, just given his talent and his ability. So uh, let's talk about another running back situation here. Uh, th- this has been kind of an interesting one to monitor because we've seen uh, in Carolina, the, the young Canadian Chuba Hubbard be more efficient with his touches than than Miles Sanders. Um, we even saw him out snap Miles Sanders last week. So, Nate, did that continue this week in the, the Carolina backfield? Uh, yeah, continued for one more week at least. Uh, this was very interesting how the two running backs were used. It was almost the opposite of what you would expect. I had to go back and look at my code that creates these graphics for me just to make sure it was working right since usually I can look at these graphics and see, uh, not have to look at the uh, key and know which running backs are which colors without looking, but this was the opposite of what I expected. We saw Hubbard get the majority of the goal line work and Sanders get the majority of the third down work, which is kind of the opposite role of what we were seeing before. We saw Hubbard as the passing down back. We saw Sanders as the early down back and really they split the early down roll for a second straight week. So I started looking more at the numbers and it was looking like this made sense based on how the players have played so far this season. Hubbard has been significantly more effective as a rusher so far this season. He has a first down or touchdown on 37% of his carries compared to 14% for Sanders. And Sanders has a better yards per route run, better receiving grade. Um, Similarly, if you look at avoided tackles, Hubbard has been better at avoiding tackles in the run game. Sanders has been better at avoiding tackles in the passing game. So this is something that we might continue to see going forward. We could see Hubbard be the lead running back that we thought Sanders would be. We could see Sanders be the receiving back that we thought Hubbard would be, in which case Hubbard should be picked up off the waiver wire. It is worth noting that Sanders has been dealing with a groin injury, so that certainly could be impacting his play, and Sanders could get back to being the clear lead back uh, when he's more healthy, but um, it'll just be interesting to see how this backfield continues to involve, but at least for the time being, I would at least like to have Hubbard on my roster in case he starts seeing a majority of early down work rather than them splitting the early down work 50-50. 
Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, even just looking at like the goal goal line usage, the short yardage usage there for for Hubbard, I think there's potential there um, for him to maybe even get in a couple scores. I know, you know, nine carries, 35 yards, just two targets for a catch. It doesn't seem like much, but it was still more than Sanders. And like you said, that usage um, benefiting Chuba Hubbard as well. So something um, to kind of keep in mind there as we head to the waiver wires uh, in the next couple of days or so. But um, that is at least promising for, for Hubbard. Hubbard and and we'll see if it continues in the weeks ahead. But uh, all right, yeah. one and more. I would hope to see oh, the. Yeah, I was going to say I would hope to see the Panthers' offense start to play better in general as well. Yeah. It just it's a young offense with a lot of new pieces playing together. It's not surprising to me whatsoever that they are struggling so far this year. Since you're going to have growing pains when you have a bunch of players who have never played together, um, trying to make the offense work. So I would expect the Panthers' offense to start clicking at some point this season. In which case, both running backs would start uh, performing better. Yeah, for sure. And and the Lions defense, like to their credit, one of the better defenses in the NFL as well. So limiting, you know, the offense there for Carolina wasn't a huge surprise, especially seeing the, the amount of pressure that um <laughs> that the Panthers offensive line and Bryce Young have have dealt with this year. Um, but even in the run game, the Lions have been one of the better run defending teams in the league. So there could be potentially better days ahead as as far as offensive production goes. Um all right, let's go. Let's do another running back takeaway here. Last one. We'll head to Kansas City, where Isaiah Pacheco, um, who was the RB six in in week four in PPR, he put up another strong finish here in week five. So, Nate, what has uh, Isaiah Pacheco's role looked like in, in recent weeks to kind of give him this this great output here in in Kansas City? Yeah, this was something where last week it was seemed like a one week blip. Uh, he's seen his playing time increase or decrease plenty of times throughout the last calendar year or so. So it wasn't too alarming for me that he had a really good week. I thought he might uh, re go back down a little bit this week, but we actually saw his playing time remain fairly similar. Um, Kansas City has been a backfield where they really have uh, one primary early down back and then a backup early down back who sees significant playing time. And then Jarek McKinnon's been the passing down back and often the goal line back as well. So what we've seen is Pacheco taking a larger majority of that early down work instead of it being a two thirds, one third split. It's starting to be more of Pacheco seeing close to 70, 80% of those snaps in those situations. So that's where a lot of his playing time increase has occurred. The one exciting thing this past week is they also used him at the goal line, gave him a goal line carry, which led to a touchdown, which is huge. Um, Kansas City, even after on the one or two yard line, still love to pass the ball and come up with all these fun plays that end up scoring touchdowns. So often it's Ben McKinnon, who's been the running back on the field, even at the one or two yard line, because he's the one that can better create those kind of or be a part of those plays. But they just ran it with Pacheco like a normal team would. So that helped his fantasy value in this one. So. Um, I'm not sure if Pacheco will continue to see that goal line work, but his uh, dominance on early down seems like something that will continue going forward. So I think in the future, we can probably expect a better production out of Pacheco. I think he'll get more opportunities. And if this goal line stuff works sticks, then that'll be huge for his fantasy production. But definitely feel more comfortable having him in my starting lineup week in and week out going forward. 
Yeah, definitely. Especially the goal line work in this offense. Um, we know that uh, Kansas City is going to be there often and maybe be on the receiving end of one of those Mahomes shovel passes or something like that kind of going forward, which helps his touchdown potential. Um, so nice stuff to see there for Pacheco. Uh, that's going to do it for the running backs. We'll move on to the wide receivers here. But before we do, I do want to give a quick shout out to our friends over at DraftKings. Football is back in full swing with another week of epic games. And who's got you covered on the action for every single one of them? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet $5 on football and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Get in on the NFL action with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use code PFF to sign up. New customers can bet just $5 and take home $200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code PFF. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. cdkng.co slash football for eligibility terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. All right, let's move on to the wide receivers now, where we have a couple of season debuts to talk about. Uh, none bigger than in Los Angeles, where it was the return of Cooper Cup, who uh, went back to being the apple of Matthew Stafford's eye, leading the team in targets with 12 posts, 118 yards. But Nate, there looked to be enough targets to go around here for Cup and Puka Nakua to coexist in this offense. Was that true? Uh, yes, it was in this game. Uh, first off, we saw Cup uh, return to his usual role. He was only off the field for, I think, three offensive plays. So definitely was not restricted in this game. So very good to see out of him. The big thing I was concerned about is how they would use their other wide receivers. Since other times, we would see a rotation at times between um, two or three different wide receivers for the other two wide receiver spots. So was a little worried that Van Jefferson would cut into the playing time of Tutu Atwell and potentially even Puka Nakua a little bit, but we did not see that in this one. Van Jefferson just went to being a clear backup where Puka Nakua and Tutu Atwell also saw the playing time that they were used to seeing. Um, Puka Nakua also put up a big game in the passing game. Tutu Atwell didn't see as many targets, but he did score a touchdown, so all three wide receivers saw at least eight PPR points, so definitely good to see. Uh, basically, no one else got involved in the passing game, so this is something that we could see a bit going forward. But if you look back at uh, Sean McVay's offenses, uh, Mike Clay, uh, former PFF uh, lead fantasy analyst who's now at ESPN, was making this point on ESPN's uh, fantasy show before the game, but... Uh, the Rams have pretty consistently had at least two and even sometimes three wide receivers who were viable fantasy starters. Uh, in the past, it used to be Robert Woods a bit. Uh, Brandon Cooks was on the team for a couple years as well, along with Cooper Cup, and all of them were able to be uh, starting fantasy wide receivers. So I don't think it's going to be surprising at all that we continue to see both Cup and Nakua be consistent fantasy starting receivers. And it's just a matter of F Atwell will also continue to be someone that's worth starting in fantasy football but based on his playing time i would definitely keep atwell on my fantasy roster to see what this is going forward since it 
could vary from one week to another. And Atwell is a little bit more of a deeper threat for the offense. So it might depend on the defenses they're playing as well and which teams are more vulnerable to giving up deep passes. So I think this is probably the best case scenario for anyone who had Rams players on your fantasy team because uh, no one really was getting hurt too much from this outside of Van Jefferson. But uh, the past couple weeks, no one was expecting much out of Jefferson after Nakua and Atwell's breakouts. Yeah, this this was definitely a, a, a nice first week with with everybody healthy, right? Um, it was at least encouraging for fantasy purposes. Um, again, that that elite target rate for Cooper Cup continued thirty one point seven percent target rate. Nakua though twenty six point two percent. So again, very high end target rates for both guys. Um, but like you said, the other the other receivers did you know, didn't get as many targets at even Tutu Atwell, just 12 and a half percent. Tyler Higby was under 8%. So um, it, it could, even if it's, you know, Cup and Nakua going forward, I think fantasy managers will be happy with that. Um, but like you said, Tutu Atwell can absolutely still get involved as that deep threat because he has that ability and we've seen him be used there. Um, and we've seen him be used in the, in the red zone as well, which is kind of, um, kind of nice, especially for a smaller wide receiver there. He's got a couple touchdowns down there now. So, um, good stuff there from the Rams. Uh, Let's go on to another 2023 wide receiver debut we got this week, and that was Jamison Williams, who had his suspension reduced um, to four games. Uh, the Lions were without Amon Ross St. Brown in this game. So, Nate, how involved was the Lions 2022 12th overall pick? Um, I think he saw a promising amount of playing time. They were saying before the game, maybe we restrict him to around 20 snaps, and he ended up playing more than that. Um, it was interesting this week in general, we saw a number of teams use different wide receivers and 11 personnel compared to 12 personnel. Um, the Patriots have been doing that most of the season, but we saw the Bengals do this as well with T Higgins out. And then the Lions did this as well without Amon Ross St. Brown and Josh Reynolds. Uh, he played, but he was on the injury report all week, so not 100%. So they used Reynolds, Cleef Raymond, and Marvin Jones in 11 personnel. Most of the time, Williams only saw a couple snaps in 11 personnel. But Williams was almost always on the field in 12 personnel. Um, it was Antoine Green, uh, sometimes Jones playing across from him in 12 personnel. But Williams saw 20 of 26 possible snaps in that personnel grouping. Um, only saw two passes in his debut, so not a ton of receptions, but it did was double his career receptions to this point, and his playing time was also roughly double what it was in any single game uh, last season with the Lions. So um, considering they said he was going to be on a snap count and considering he never saw all that much playing time last season, um, seeing this much playing time was, I think, promising in his debut, even though there have been the injuries. So I think it'll be at least interesting to see going forward what his role is. I don't think Amon Ross St. Brown returning will impact it all that much. Uh, Josh Reynolds getting back to 100% might because they might prefer St. Brown and Reynolds in 12 personnel going forward. But it'll be interesting to see if Williams starts playing more in 11 personnel. But I'm at least more interested to see him going forward since I think the trajectory that he was on based on uh, how he was used in the preseason and uh, his injury after the preseason and his suspension and all of last year. I wasn't expecting quite this much work out of him in his first game back. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, so yeah, that that kind of answers my question too, because I, I, you know, looking at the usage and and looking at the game and and considering St. Brown and and Josh Reynolds weren't, well, Reynolds was in the game but not fully healthy, but they also handled the Panthers relatively easily, who are you know an zero and five team now. Um, I, I'm concerned, you know, that we could potentially see maybe that usage even decrease next week, assuming Amon Ross St. Brown is back and maybe Josh Reynolds healthier. But um, like you said, there's also the chance that he does get a little bit more involved as as the weeks get go on here too. We just based on what we saw from him last year, right? And the Lions kind of, you know, hesitance to unleash him in in a full time role. Um, it, it was kind of my concern going forward, but I'll be very interested in this one um, in in the weeks ahead for sure. Yeah, since like they could have easily had Cleef Brayman play more in 12 personnel in this game, they could have had Marvin Jones, both veterans who have been in the league for a long time and certainly have experience in 12 personnel. So they at least chose to let Williams play more over some of the other wide receivers they have. So ideally we see it be Williams and Reynolds and St. Brown and 11 personnel going forward. And in which case Williams would see a lot more playing time. Yeah, that would that would be awesome. That is what we're hoping for um, in the weeks ahead. Uh, let's talk about one more wide receiver here, and that is Tyreek Hill, who had another monster game as he does: nine targets, eight catches, 181 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, but that's not why we're we're bringing him up here, Nate. Uh, what happened with Tyreek Hill in this game uh, to make him a point of interest? Uh, so it seems like he suffered an injury at some point in the game. Uh, he was seen limping off the field late, so. Um, I tried to dig into what was going on, and when I went on Twitter to search for him, it was all about him trying to give a ball to his mom and someone else trying to get the ball and all the drama related to that. So it was a little bit hard to find information about Hill's health, but um, he played 15 of the first 20 snaps over the first four drives, 11 of the first 13 pass plays. So that's fairly consistent with his usage in past games. Um, They do like to rotate him out a bit more specifically in run plays uh, just to keep him fresh. So that was fine. That was normal. Um, But then he didn't play at all in the two-minute drill with Cedric Wilson taking over as the outside receiver in his place. Um, So that was a little surprising considering if anything, you put your elite wide receivers in for two-minute drills rather than keeping them out. So my guess is that he was dealing with something at that point of time. Um, then throughout the second half, he at least was playing on every drive outside of the last one where they were just running out the clock. But he only played in 10 of 22 snaps and 7 of 10 pass plays. So his playing time was a bit lower in the second half compared to the first half. So I'm guessing he was dealing with something that he was able to play through, uh, just not at 100%, and the Dolphins did have a lead at that point, so they didn't need him as much, so we saw his playing time dip a bit lower than what we've seen in recent years with Miami. Um, The fact that he was able to continue to play was promising, and of course he put up those big numbers despite this, so uh, definitely good to see out of him putting up potentially a historic season so far this season, but it'll be worth monitoring uh, if he shows up on the injury report, if he's limited in practice or anything like that, because if that does happen, 
And even if he does play, his playing time could continue to be limited. He might only play roughly 50% of snaps, which you're still putting him in fantasy starting lineups, but you might want to change your expectations a little bit this week, just depending on what reports we get out of him and what we see on the injury report this week. Good call. Yeah, hopefully he's healthy. But like you said, there was at least some concern that he might not be 100% here um, heading into the week. So yeah, we'll definitely be monitoring the practice reports. Um, All right, before we move on to the tight ends, we do have one more shout out our next partner, which is AG1, the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. I personally have been drinking it every day. um, And I certainly need it because look, if I'm being totally honest here, I don't necessarily have the healthiest possible diet that i stick to and quite frankly could definitely stand to be healthier in general so ag1 uh, is exactly what i was looking for is something quick and easy that i can build into my diet where i don't have uh, to worry about taking so many supplements and pills and all that fun stuff. I wanted a single solution that, that supports my uh, entire body health, um, a better gut health, boost in energy, immune system support, wanted a supplement that actually tastes great. I throw AG1 into a fruit smoothie every morning and start the day off with that. Um, it gives me everything I need for my body, like I'm giving my body the nutrition it craves. So again, as someone who can't be alone in wanting to improve their health and has a difficult time doing so when it comes to overall diet, adding AG1 to my day has been a game changer as I get 75 high quality ingredients that give me key daily nutrients and support energy, focus, strength, and clarity. I just mix one small scoop with my smoothie and drink it first thing each morning. Boom, done. It's as simple as that. Another added cost bonus is that it costs less than $3 a day, which is pretty good. If you ask me, it's a relatively effective daily habit with high quality sourced ingredients. It's a win-win. So if a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1. Get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash PFF. That's drinkag1.com slash PFF. Okay, a couple of tight ends to cover here before we close out the show today. Um, and we have to talk about the maybe resurgence of of Kyle Pitts who very much felt like he was also making his 2023 debut this week considering his ghost status in the first four weeks so Nate 10 targets for Pitts he goes seven for 87 uh no touchdowns of course but is Arthur Smith turning a new leaf did did Kyle Pitts see a role increase this week Ah, this was a confusing game out of Pitts. Uh, First off, in general, it was good to see after spending all of July and all of August uh, saying that you probably want to get a top seven fantasy tight end and only having three of them work out the first couple weeks. We saw George Kittle get the three touchdowns. We saw Dallas Goddard have one of the best games out of a tight end so far this season. Darren Waller had over 80 yards and Kyle Pitts had over 80 yards. So a good bounce back for all of the top seven tight ends who have not had great starts to the season um but the concerning thing with Pitts is his playing time has been decreasing pretty significantly the past two weeks he was just over 50 percent of offensive snaps which is the lowest for him in a game over the past two seasons outside of the game where he suffered a season-ending injury last season so uh was pretty surprising to see um he hasn't been playing much in 11 personnel all season which is the most confusing to me because if there is any personnel grouping where i would expect pits to be on the field it would be 11 personnel but they are rarely using 11 personnel significantly lower usage of that compared to all other teams in the league but they've also been rotating him out more in 12 personnel which mostly leaves him off the field for more run plays than before but that also takes away some of the pass routes that he could be running 
Um, he was targeted on nearly half of his past plays in this game. So um, that's a huge rate and probably isn't sustainable. So I think he would need to see uh, his playing time increase in order for him to potentially sustain this potential. Um, we also saw Johnu Smith have another good game. He has the most receiving yards for a tight end over the past two weeks. So Pitts still isn't quite the best tight end on his team currently based on how Smith has also been playing. So it just, it's something that will continue to need to involve because Pitts saw the volume in this game and was the main part of the passing game. But if this playing time continues in future weeks, but he doesn't see quite as high of the target rate, then he'll go back to being a fairly unpredictable fantasy tight end. So it'll be interesting to see how the usage change goes usage change works going forward since it they are also making changes at other positions they changed how they use their wide receivers this week with Kaderil Hodge playing a lot in 12 personnel where he wasn't seeing as much playing time before compared to uh, Mac Hollins and um, Scott Miller is the other one so Mac Hollins who was an every down wide receiver now is only playing an 11 personnel and a little bit of 12 personnel so the Falcons are definitely okay with making changes of how they're using their skill players at the moment uh, Cordero Patterson also getting more involved so I wouldn't be surprised if this offense continues to evolve it's just a question of if it evolves in a way that will help Pitt's fantasy production or not uh, yeah this is like uh it's like the opposite of, you know, the Godfather three or just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. This is like, I just felt like I was going to get excited about Kyle Pitts. And then you see the usage and it's, it's actually decreasing. It feels like a mirage really where I would not be surprised to see this production take another big hit um, next week. So I, I just, I still don't feel a hundred percent comfortable starting him yet. Even after a nice game here, I, I really I feel like you have to see it consistently with Pitts to, to trust him, right? Because we know how kind of wild this usage can be. So um, good calls there. Uh, thank you for putting yeah that together because that's definitely helpful to kind of sort through this, this Kyle Pitts mess here um, this season. But let's move on to another tight end who we've also been waiting to get more involved, and that is Chigozim Okonkwo of the Tennessee Titans. Eight targets, five receptions, 33 yards. Um, we like this. But there, there, there's always a but, isn't there, Nate? Ah, uh, yeah, this is a pretty similar story. Of We saw Akonkwo get plenty of playing time early in the season, and now his playing time starts to decrease at the same time that he's starting to see more targets, which is an uh, interesting phenomena. Uh, he only played in 70% of snaps in 11 personnel. The big thing is his snaps in 12 personnel dropped pretty dramatically to 46%. Uh, they've slowly but surely been getting Josh Wiley, their fifth-round rookie tight end, a little bit more involved in the offense. Uh, Kevin Radar, another backup tight end who didn't see much playing time early in the season but is now seeing playing time these past two weeks. So they're getting four tight ends involved in the offense now, which isn't great to see for him. Um, but he did see more targets when he was on the field, so he's getting back to being among the better tight ends in terms of targets per route run just not running as many routes as we would like to see. So 
I think in order for us to get back on the Akunko train, he both needs to see his playing time increase again, and he starts need to make he needs to make some of those big plays that he was making last year. Since he's more consistently making targets, but they're not getting those big gains like we were seeing on a pretty consistent game to game basis last year. So ideally, he both starts making more big plays and gets his playing time back up but until then probably going to leave him on the waiver wire despite how high we were on him just a few months ago yeah yeah it's another bummer here uh, for the the tight end usage in tennessee yeah four tight ends I, that, that is definitely not ideal and as somebody who spends a lot of time looking at names and and players that are available i've also never heard of kevin radar but it is a cool name so i will be uh more interested in him uh, maybe but yeah, not great for Oconquo. Um, but yeah, that that's going to do it for our, our takeaways here. Um, another weekly takeaway episode. So hopefully, uh, again, you found that helpful. If there was something that we didn't cover today, again, that you were hoping we would, um, well, first off, I'm sorry. But second, you can check it all out at, at Nate's Game Breakdowns on for free on pff.com. He's broken down every single game. Um, you should be able to find them there. Um yeah. So Nate, thank you for breaking it all down for us. I, I know we'll be back talking waivers tomorrow, but uh, let the good folks know what you have up on pff.com today. Uh, yeah. As you mentioned, I uh, had the recap for all 12 games that happened yesterday and there's plenty of stuff in there as well. A lot related to injuries that we didn't cover too much in today's episode in large part, because we don't really know how long those injuries will uh be in effect for we find a lot of that information out today so we'll have a lot more of that kind of information tomorrow in the waiver wire article since if there are some of these injuries that are significant then there are some people to look at on the waiver wire even some of the ones where a player suffered a concussion so they might be out next week there are uh ended up writing about probably six or seven more people on the waiver wire article compared to past weeks so the waiver wire article is up for anyone who wants to read it now but we will be covering that in full tomorrow um today we'll be writing my five to add five to drop five to buy low five to sell high i would expect to see kyle pitt's name as one of those 20 <laughs> players in that article so we'll have that out tomorrow uh, also writing the rest of season rankings uh changing the rankings up there based on how everyone played and all the injuries so that'll also be going up tomorrow and then tonight we have the packers and the raiders so we'll have the monday night football recap up tonight immediately after that game concludes Nice. Yeah. Looking forward to that. And I'll be, yeah, so curious about where Kyle Pitts falls in that 5555 um, article that uh, that you write up. But uh, yeah, a big shout out also to the PFF data collection team, the best data collection team in the multiverse, crushing another weekend's worth of games, getting us all this excellent data that fuels the analysis. We appreciate you all. Like Nate said, we are back tomorrow morning talking waivers. So we'll see you all then. Good luck closing out your week five matchups uh, with Monday Night Football tonight. Help me pray for a six-sack Max Crosby game. And until tomorrow, peace out.